Hi everyone, my name is Gustavo. I'm from Rainbow Pride Youth Alliance and All Chat No Smoke, uh, a podcast on queer and trans liberation, public health, and discussing the futures. Uh, today we're going to be talking with Angie Badedas um, from Sierra Club, uh, Generation Now, and longtime act- organizer and activist in the San Bernardino IE region. So we're going to have a wonderful conversation about music. Uh, we're going to talk about pride and how we can think of spaces as liberatory instead of them being co-opted. I feel like we haven't talked in a minute. <laughs> I know, like, how have you been, Angie? How have you been? How have you been in the world? I've been good. I've been good. Just doing my thing. Just... <laughs> That's about it. We, we, all right, so we just talked it, we, that you don't nap and that you mm-hmm. run off of four hours of sleep. Yeah, I could run off of two, three, four hours of sleep and be good. But that's my average sleeping time. Mm-hmm. So what have you done in like this quarantine to kind of like take care of yourself? Or have you been able to take care of yourself? <laughs> I thought things would slow down, but no. Um, I've been trying to do more self-care. And I, I'm i a big water person, so being in water is, like, healing. Mm. So whether it be the pool, jacuzzi, just a bath, like, stuff like that, just being in water is really nice for me. I've just been trying to do a lot more, like, little things, Things just for me, like reading or going for walks by myself, just stuff like that. I think that walkings definitely have, I, I think for myself, I've definitely done more walks to kind of be more mindful. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because also you and I have like jobs that are kind of very, um, how would you say varied, if you will, uh, in terms of like being mm-hmm. and kind of moving in different pockets and just being on the move. But with p- the pandemic, I kind of had to be more intentional about getting up from my desk or mm. like having periods where I'm moving. And yeah, because yeah. you could get stuck on these Zoom calls back to back, conference calls, like in your day, by the time you realize that it, it's like, oh, shoot, it's already 7 p.m. or whatever. And you start at 9, 8. So, yeah. And I've been trying to do a lot more of my music stuff like listening to music um you know purchasing more toys to play with music and like yeah what so. all right what music have you been buying and what have you been kind of creating Ooh, like i've been jotting down ideas and listening to stuff but haven't nourished that just been thinking about it a lot more but music i've been listening to it varies but i've just been um really really listening to and breaking down jazz and reggae for some reason like i'm listening to it but in another way like really listening to the instruments and like dissecting it i've been noticing that like jazz and reggae i've been doing that a lot more too and like that Luffy hip hop and stuff like that. L- Luffy, Luffy. Okay, this is like the the. the or what is it? Is that how you say it? Thing. I always say. It. I think I say it wrong. No, no, no. You, you say it in your own way. I don't say it. I I, I think I'm just. It, it is pronounced usually lo-fi, but I think lo lo-fi. Lo-fi. It's, it's like oh, wow. Okay. Kind of did the kind of Mexican uh, Spanish version of white wifi wifi. Oh. But with lo-fi. Okay. That's, I don't know. I think that's like, that's very cool. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, so I've been, yeah, I've been really just, yeah. But I've been listening to it with a different ear, not just listening to it, but like, like, ooh, that would be nice with this sound or that would be dope with this. That's what I've been doing with that kind of music. So what do you feel has drawn you to reggae and jazz and lo-fi? To me, those sounds for me personally are soothing and put me in a peaceful kind of mentality, kind of 
they make my body feel relaxed and at ease. And especially in the times that we're in right now and everything going on. And I think um, with all the uncertainty of, you know, this pandemic and, you know, with the administration that we had as well, you know, that is still fighting um, to stay in everything. And especially being like a POC queer woman, it just makes you like everything uncertain, right? Of the times that we're in, it just, for me, I think that's more of an escape. I mean, music for me is like very vital, um, but certain music just, it's more like an escaping of the mind, body, and soul for me. Like it goes deeper for me. Music goes deep for me. So I, I kind of want to go on a branch of like talk about how like for me, I, I also kind of feel surprised that how much jazz I've listened to during quarantine. Mm-hmm. And um, there, I think for myself, it it's been like like you said, a soothing kind of place to be. There is also this kind of kind of collaborative thing that kind of jazz does where you it kind of forces not forces you but it asks you to kind of take things kind of collectively in the in like a very experience like the, there there is like less of a focus or a centralization of things mm. I feel it speaks to like part of my brain that's thinking about things kind of like in terms of a collective action and being together in different spaces and also as well as like mm-hmm. kind of power structures um the idea of the playful aspects of music and like how that with like passion and training you can kind of get really good and you can kind of come together with people and make something beautiful and i think that something about that they kind of is, i don't know i, I think yeah. there's a part of my brain probably idealize that a little bit but yeah, I think with all music, like you could hear sounds, wor- wor- worldly sounds and sounds from different parts of the world and different flavors and stuff. But somehow I feel like in certain music, it stands out and you could hear like sounds that represent like nature and others, um, other things come out. They flourish more in certain songs and I think sometimes it, 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 it like certain musics do certain things to the body. Like jazz music, for the most part, doesn't have any lyrics. You know, jazz most jazz songs are just you know beats and sounds and stuff like that. So your mind literally just focuses on that. It's just a different, it's a different feel. But music is very therapeutic especially for mental health and I think that's why for me jazz reggae and loopy it's it's been that it's been that tranquilizer kind of thing it just kind of like relaxing because I think especially like in times like this now if we don't even think about it but our bodies are very tense because our minds are I think our um, our minds our souls are you know, our stress levels are being are overtime for for some people. Um, it's it's times two, you know, right now. So and that's a, that affects your body a lot. You know, stress and all that affects your body. I've noticed I've been seeing myself a lot more sick lately and stuff like that. And I'm sure I'm not the only one, you know, that's something that's very common with folks right now. Yeah, yeah, no, I think there's there's a lot there to kind of talk about. I mean, there is a lot that I think this kind of year has kind of forced folk, folks to do, and that's kind of pay attention to their bodies more. Yeah. Um, oh, that's not that's not true. I think that's true. that's true. Yeah, I think that's also a privilege to to be able to listen to your body because some folks are so on the go, so needing to deal re- with reality that they can't take a break from it to listen to their bodies, right? So. I think that's, that's an interesting kind of case. I was thinking like that 
folks living with disabilities have kind of have to always constantly have to kind of do that essentially. Oh yeah. Like having a body is not necessarily a fun experience for a lot of people. True. Um, and this the, this year kind of um, is a kind of reminder that like our bodies kind of do carry and like do like carry or like have to deal and like live in a biological world and biological settings. And it's, I think for a lot of folks <clears throat> live in the States or like live via, like through capitalism, that's kind of, that, there's a lot of challenge to that. There's like a lot of like confronting of um, vulnerability as well as the vulnerability of others and like trying to have people act in ways that protect other people. And that's that, in, the, in, a, in a way that makes us feel like we have to kind of make compromises in terms of our lives. And, mm. and, and well, I, well, people who like live with disabilities have constantly have to make those compromises. Yeah, yeah it, it, it really, I know, I know for me, it's really reminded me how, you know, and we need to, I need to, especially myself, I need to take that time to listen to my body, like your body and your mind, you know, let you know, like, hey, I need to slow down or you need to like, you know, change it up because this hasn't been working. It's, you know, it's up to us to pay attention. I'd say you're pretty, I think you're pretty attuned to that because I, I feel like that's what, I think this is a good point to kind of like introduce yourself because like in terms of like your job and like kind of your, a little bit of your history because you, yeah. I think I think Angie, I've known you for a few years now, working on LGBTQ plus issues, working on human rights in San Bernardino, working on various different fronts in terms of violence and racism. But I think you've been pretty attuned to kind of how the environment affects us as well as like how we affect each other. I try, but I think it's always like a kind of like a working document in us. That's something that's always going to be something where learning something where you know we're always growing in um things are always changing around us folks are always changing around and if we're growing and learning every day i i think we're doing it right there's no wrong way to do it we're always gonna maybe not be the best at it or uh the greatest but as long as we're trying um, that's the best we could ask for you know it's a different kind of work we do. And like you said, I've been doing this for a while, organizing, advocate, um, being an advocate, so forth, for over two decades. And I know there's a lot of folks who've been doing it way longer. And the, I think my biggest thing is like making sure we take care of ourselves, like we want to take care of others and in the fight and the movement. Um, because burnout is real. <laughs> mm-hmm. The burnout is real, especially in uh, POC folks, especially in black and brown folks. And, you know, um, and especially in our community of LGBTQ um, plus, especially with POC folks. Um, it's, it's very, it's very real. Um, so... Yeah, no, yeah, I think when uh, you you said, like, you only get four hours of sleep, like, my brain was like, Angie, Angie, I feel like you're constantly, constantly on the verge of burnout, but that's kind of, you. that's how you just run, that's how you kind of just run. That's, that's how I function, how dysfunctional is that, that I function like that? <laughs> that's not good, that's not healthy, so I'm the last person to preach about um, self-care, uh, not burning out because in, I, I think we just we're so in it and into like into the work like it doesn't even feel like work this is just something we do this is something we live for this is something that we a lot of us were just born to do it just natural it's like telling us don't breathe you know, we just don't know how not to do it. Yeah, yeah. Like there's, <laughs> there's like, but going back to what you were saying earlier, I think you were saying like, it's like a growing process. It's like a, like a document. Like it's like, do- like a ever-changing 
Google document that constantly is being edited and like kind of developed. Hopefully not for like nefarious reasons, because like I know. Yes. <laughs> but like it's a it's a it's a document that's always kind of like changing. Um, I, I hear a recognition that in your voice of what, mm. you're like there is awareness of like oh this is like unhealthy. Like what are some lessons you've learned to kind of take care of yourself? And um, I think I've learned some lessons because I see certain times when I'm like not feeling so well you start noticing things especially you know as you get older you're just like wow I'm, I don't function like I did when I was 20 doing this <laughs> um, or in my early ages so you start noticing different things and other folks that been in this game as long as you are longer and you start seeing folks not doing this work or passing on and a lot of folks just burning now you start to realize like especially in, in black and brown communities most likely we don't come from folks even teaching us about self-care and and what is like mental health what is self-care we might come from families that just we, we gotta work we gotta work hard you know you know and it's just we see our moms our dads juggling jobs our moms non-stop and, and that's what I've always been a song. Like, you just work, work, work. And it's, I think for a lot of our folks, it's, it's hard to, you know, say no or even to set boundaries for ourselves. Boundaries is a big thing. And we've never been taught that, like, how to say no. And it's okay to say no. It's okay to be like, hey, I'm at capacity. I can't take that on. A lot of us don't know how to set healthy boundaries for ourselves in relationships and friendships and the work and, and a lot of things we do. So I think that's a struggle with a lot of folks. And it's all about balance. Balance is key. Balance, I think balance, <laughs> but there, I think you, your point about boundaries, I think that is, I think that is like something that like help helps with the balance as well as like also helps you to be present if that makes sense i think what you're getting at in terms of kind of like how boundaries are, are not really taught to us is for a lot of poc for a lot of black indigenous and just also just like lgbtq like spaces because they're so small usually and they're lack of resources and lack of like attention folks feel like it's an obligation to do everything and also be everything for everyone that oftentimes like that i think that is like a, a very common thing that's a very common thing to kind of feel like you need to kind of run high and try to be everywhere for everyone and that i think that's where like your actions and things you can control get muddled with other people's trauma and other people's kind of um the the where you're where you yourself as a person gets muddled into the collective trauma that everyone is experiencing and it's kind of hard to pull yourself out of that yeah i i i totally agree with that i think a lot of it's very new to a lot of folks and going back going back to ancestors i don't think anybody's ever been like hey you need to take care of you certain folks have always had to fight Certain folks have always had to fight for just having that right to live, to be free, to to vote, to do this, to do that. Many folks have always had to keep going and going and going and fighting. And there was there was no time to take care of themselves or self-care or, or this or that. With my parents, like telling them to like chill, relax, you know, you're, you're retired, like uh self-care and they just look at me like what the hell are you talking about my dad's just like okay whatever self-care like they just don't grasp that like angie do you remember like or do you know the net ministry no oh they're, they're, they're like um this really wonderful collective that kind of really emphasizes and kind of talks about how rest is a radical action of resistance um mm. I, I mentioned them because i think a while ago they they posted that 
a lot a lot of what they do is kind of really emphasize folks taking care of themselves and kind of understanding that um rest is not just important but kind of vital and it's like there's like a need to kind of nourish yourself and a lot of times i think because of their name i feel like naps are kind of seen as like uh oh a lot of organizations were posting their stuff as oh just a, a helpful reminder and they they kind of were frustrated with that and they kind of uh posted a message saying that it is not a reminder but rather is a vital vital act of resistance in self-care kind of going back and kind of highlighting kind of the work of Audre Lorde and just really kind of emphasizing that we're taking care of ourselves and not just being for labor and really making sure that we're taking care of ourselves and just being honoring that and like I think I think really kind of really harmonizing things like boundaries and um, being mindful with what you need and what's necessary and like a stillness that 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 is that that is something that i think because of a lot of the cultural trauma a lot of folks have experienced it's very kind of it takes a second to kind of synthesize it really does take a second to kind of like okay i need i think i i don't need to fight or flight right now i think i can just mm. and be in my just be in my moment and with my body which is this is honestly hard to do it's a hard shift mm-hmm. A hard shift to be in your body <laughs> just like yeah especially if you've never seen it or or been in environments where it's practice or not you know you don't would you characterize living the ie as chaotic what i characterize this as being chaotic or like how would you characterize ie i feel like i think like my me putting the word chaotic like there's there's a lot mm-hmm. I think like I'm front loading the question and not really giving you a space to kind of like answer in your own experience. How would you characterize living in the eye? What what does like it mean to grow up and like live in the IE? I think it's very uncomfortable. But yet we don't know how uncomfortable it is because it has become very norm. Mm. Um, but it's a very uncomfortable feeling. Yeah, I think I think there that discomfort is, I think a little bit baked in a little bit. Oh, it's 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 it. It starts with like when you're little and you kind of like have days where like smog is awful and um, you kind of have to stay. You have to go in the gym for PE, um, and it starts with your neighborhoods and kind of like being kind of put in areas that don't have a lot of resources it, you, you you're not expecting like that just becomes normal to you that becomes normal to you like yeah i mean like just the lack of resources compared to like cities like la like la just it, that's a whole different beast right mm-hmm. um but you know i was born in, um out there in east la and brought over here in like 89 90 um and just just a big difference even as a child seeing that big difference uh, from LA to the IE and then growing up here and then once I finally coming into terms where I was like whoa I'm queer um but not knowing that I was different and not even knowing that I was queer until I left to college to Cal State Northridge um but out here, it's just like, there's no, and during my times, there was like no LGBTQ clubs. Um, there was no GSAs. There was no any of that. And if there was, it was very, very, very limited and very, very more on the DL. Or, um, but it wasn't something like at my school where it was known, none of that. Um, and even growing up and being here, it, it, I, I think the only one, um, I mean, a lot of them started around the time I was in college, like at, uh, you know, at Valley College, Cal State. And these were started by people who I knew or myself, you know, or like our PYA was 
forming around then in the in the 90s you know late 90s 2000 like it, it was the first of the firsts right compared to like oh you know like LA had LGBTQ centers and still today you know we don't have LGBTQ centers everywhere or or those kind of resources or um, you know we have a lot more we have a lot more groups we have a lot more folks doing things which is beautiful um, but compared to other major cities and so forth we're just we're not there um, unless it's attached to a college or, or or something like that but many organizations that are around are the first of the first here in the in the region no like for sure I think they're I think it's interesting kind of talking to, I think, to speaking to kind of generation of organizers that are ahead of me or like the organizers that like, like started like in the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s. Mm -hmm. There is a sense that it, it, there has been definitely a shift and, but like folks, have always existed it just was kind of like in the periphery in the corners and like visibility was not like a thing yes like visibility was like okay we're everything is kind of behind closed doors metaphorically um and, and or it was a club scene kind of thing at night you know a local bar club but not yeah not part of life yeah do you think centers are like the way of the future? Like I think LGBTQ centers. I think that's a, a nice little piece to the puzzle, but I don't think it's, I would love to see centers, how we see Starbucks and um, fast food places. Like I think um, um, that's a part of it, but I think also um, youth centers, uh, 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 health centers that are, if not specifically for LGBTQ folks, but also for POC LGBTQ folks, because I think even within our our community, there there's there's still a lot of barriers. You know, there's still a lot of folks who need more resources than others, and I think um, centers are a good great start, and hopefully a piece of that puzzle to with the future. I think what we're hearing is also like there's kind of like a like there's just like a need for like more walkable like spaces. Yes. I think the problem with centers, I think also when the idea of centers in the IE is like all of them, if you put a center somewhere, people have to get to the center and people have to drive to the center. And usually the people who like need the center most are kind of like youth, people who are like low income, like stable transportation, or folks who like have like transportation like needs and stuff. And like there's not yes. like it, it needs like to be like accessible like if if not just walkable but like like be reachable by many people by many different points yes and i mean i would love to see our, our in the ie our own you know where folks have not only black and brown owned businesses but queer owned businesses you know our own little west hollywood our own palm springs within the inland region where folks don't necessarily I mean some folks more than others are always going to be living life looking over their shoulder but where folks can feel at ease like we talked about the IE is an uncomfortable feeling uh, I know for myself and I mean you you mentioned chaotic but imagine just having that space as a queer um, person of color just to be able to have a meal and maybe just feel at ease and kind of safe to just enjoy yourself mm-hmm. and not always having to look over your shoulder and your surroundings. And um, I would love to see that in our, in our communities and, and not always it having to be nightclubs, but different things to, uh, where they could go into a store and see um, and, and feel welcome and, and ha- like I said, like a West Hollywood, like a Palm Springs, I would love to see that in, in the inland region. I think I, I think when, I, when you're talking, I, I was thinking of the idea of like kind of the idea that you need 
community safety the idea that you need mm -hmm. kind of not community safety but you need the idea of this is your community the idea that you can feel this is where i live and i'm not i don't feel like i'm some sort of other or i feel like very uncomfortable in my body being in here mm -hmm. just kind of be here and i know i'm gonna i have some sense of trust in the people i'm present with yes um, where you don't have to think about your life by holding your partner's hand mm -hmm. in the ie and worry about your life yeah like i just encountered um the other day i went to go get a christmas tree with my partner and her kid and just i i got i guess these these guys that we cut it but we didn't we had been waiting there and i was like no you know he was being very rude and trying to like go before us and i was like no you know i'm not gonna let this happen and then you know the word they started just oh well f you dyke and this and that and just going at me and oh like and I have a big mouth and I wasn't gonna back down so I started going at it <laughs> and that's just me I get yeah and you know just basically just gay bashing me just saying all this that oh you wish you're and it's just like that's just getting a fucking Christmas tree excuse my language and I'm, you probably have to Fucking me out on that one <laughs> but just to get a christmas tree you know just to do something as simple as that to be dealing with that that's but that's I, i'm sure that's anywhere but that's a, that's just typical i always feel like that's especially out here in ie what's what what he would those people feel comfortable if we were at a Lowe's in West Hollywood? Yeah. Saying that? Probably yeah. not. There's like this like strange thing that happens. Like, <clears throat> like I think you're, you're right. I think Lowe's in West Hollywood, that interaction's way different for a couple mm -hmm. things. I, I was yeah. wondering about this. We're like, there, there's this like writer behind Bohemian Jones. Um, I'm sure a lot, a lot of people have also made this point, but essentially that a corporate America, in terms of like kind of structure, cultural values, a lot of it mm -hmm. is very much kind of liberal and accepting in terms of, oh yeah, you can be queer, um, you can be trans, we'll support LGBTQ in terms of our policy and treating you as consumer. But still, it's it's still very much like a capitalist. Hey, we need to make the bottom line. You need to be kind of valuable to the company, sort of thing. Yeah. The HR culture is much more aligned to kind of like socially liberal sensibilities, essentially. Um, yeah. And but, but it's one thing to for them to say that is I always say, don't talk about it, be about it. It's one thing for them to say that, but are they really hiring queer people of color mm -hmm. for their executive boards? Are they really giving to um, queer spaces are they really doing that work is their policies really helping their their people who are transitioning i feel sometimes it's just kind of like just sad because they don't want to lose that dollar mm -hmm. as a consumer like oh yeah we're anybody could just during pride month flash the, the we you know an lgbtq commercial or you know, you go to Chase Bank and they had the pride flag right there or something like that or on social media. But are you really about it? Are you really about our lives, our, our well-being? With like uh, pride, <laughs> honestly, or just kind of like pride in general. I feel like this kind of rainbow washing where like a lot of like the, a lot of the community concerns, a lot of like the livable things like we want, like mm -hmm. are kind of patched over. Um like there, there, there are queer and trans folks like working like at the warehouses at Lowe's and Home Depot. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I know for a fact that in terms of like COVID emergency pay, like they're not getting the emergency pay. They're, exactly. they're risking their lives. I know folks who've had to kind of take their personal time to quarantine after being exposed to COVID because of policies. It is kind of like this, it is like this kind of covering of, um, hey, we will give you 
we can give you jobs and we will say that we're LGBTQ affirming, but in terms of treating your life with value or taking care of you, they're like, uh, we kind of need you to be here for mandatory, mandatory overtime. Uh, you can't really use like your pay time off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, I, I worked uh, in the grocery industry for 17 years and I always wondered like, okay, they say they're, don't discriminate people's sexual orientation, this and that. But I'm sure if I was married and my partner had a kid, would I have been able to take time off? Would I have been able to, yeah, there was a lot of things that, you know, folks in that industry weren't able to, but, you know, that supermarket was very, like when it came to Pride Month in LA, they, they had their rainbow flag. They did all that. But when it came to the employees in the everyday, they weren't paying for anybody's like you know, part of our medical bill for transitioning um, for, you know, if I, you know, was I getting the same things that, you know, the, the straight couples were getting time off to be with your child, this and that. It, it, it was, that's where we need to see it. Not just drain just to flash to get our, our 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 dollar and make us feel like oh we're loved by <laughs> there there there's like there's like definitely the position of like we want customers to feel good about spending their money here or like paying rent in our neighborhood or like kind of having that vibe uh, but in terms of materially taking care of let's be blunt like most queer and trans folks are poor <laughs> and uh they need resources they need healthcare. they need to mm-hmm. they need um everything from like just affirming healthcare, not just for transitioning which is important but just kind of yeah. just getting um physical without being outed or kind of being dead named and that's like such a still like a very like <gasps> like a tough thing i, I think um or mental health, you know. I, I I'm very fortunate to ha- I have Kaiser, mm-hmm. and I went to go see a therapist, and that was more triggering than, you know. He was just like, "Oh, well, you're like the first kind of like queer person I have with like who wants to talk about this certain thing." And I've, I'm just like, then why the fuck? Why the hell did I get sent here? Like, why am I not able to pick? Yeah, it was just going and seeing this therapist was more triggering than anything else. I was just like, oh, man, now I got to go talk to somebody about just coming to visit you. <laughs> so, it, it, yeah, and it's true, like you were saying about, um, you know, pay and especially like, um, what about, our, you know, LGBTQ folks, POC folks who are, you know, like essential workers? You think about like... Um, big corporates like target and you think about target and you're like wow they're very lgbtq friendly right but are they paying their workers right now during times like this are they it's yeah and i'm sure if you ask somebody who works for certain companies i mean from from the consumer we're like wow they're really down for us but are they really down for us yeah, uh, I think speaking with friends who like are working in like the like warehouses, like they're friends and family, they're not getting like, for the like, most part, they're not getting like the emergency, like essential worker pay that like, you know, like there was like that month, like much like month where like, hey, we're going to pay you more because you're essential workers. Then they take that away. Yeah. And, and that's very worrisome, right? Yeah. Especially in, in the region that we live in where the the biggest uh, job employer for us is Amazon, mm-hmm. right? We we are a region that's infested with warehouses, and Amazon's one of the biggest employers. Let's let's be real about it. And I know a lot of folks who work for Amazon, and they're not getting that essential pay. And a lot of them are LGBTQ folks who are PLC who are just making ends meet or, or or trying to and these are yeah so it is um and especially like i said in our region where 
you know, uh, they're the biggest employers and their people are not being taken care of, especially during um, times like this, COVID and so forth. Yeah, there'll be a very big Amazon pride um, parade. There'll be a very much like a giant, like um, Amazon prime statue or float at the next, uh, when slip the de- pandemic's over, there'll definitely be like one that's just like, hey, Jeff Bezos cares about uh, the lives of trans uh, and queer folks, but yeah. then have no real benefits for the material, like the material, the workers who are materially creating that, that wealth. And we're not even going to get into prides, right? That's a whole different thing. And then we got to travel just to go to a pride. And then just the, the, bureaucracy, the problem within prides. <laughs> I, I, think, <laughs> That's a, I mean, like pride is such a very interesting kind of like vessel because every year we have the discourse around pride. We unpack it because a lot of it is complicated and like they're very much not a simple narrative you can kind of just have with pride because mm-hmm. it is it it is like a visual and physical and narrative structure that is like gain momentum over the past 50 years and it is very important for queer and trans folks but it is also kind of a sense of a place where a lot of harm is done and a lot mm-hmm. of harm is perpetuated by like what we were talking about earlier like this kind of rainbow capitalism Mm-hmm. everything from like cigarette companies to kind of investing heavily into alcohol yeah cocoa companies i think it is easier to get uh, a, a bud light and like a jewel cartridge at pride uh for the most part than it is to actually get food under ten dollars there's an ease and accessibility that is kind of okay we're going to consume and you're we're going to sp- get sponsored. We're going to try to get money to have this big party, but the sponsorships, when you like unpack it, are a lot of that money and a lot of that sponsorship actively kind of harms the community by giving it and folks consuming it. And it's very hard to kind of navigate modern pride without basically having a, a, a series of contradictions from basically contracting police unions and police forces to kind of red security and there's policing at pride and there's like again the capitalist component of it it's kind of hard to navigate that mess without feeling like what are we doing here like what is like what is happening here yeah and even like the logistics settings of prides oh yeah like you know when you wherever you have the latin tent or the hip-hop tent it is just overwhelmed with like the beer garden or the, oh yeah. I almost feel like that's kind of how our neighborhoods are set up, right? Like low income neighborhoods have a liquor store at every corner. And it just, I've noticed that when I go to Pride events, usually by certain tents or certain music, there's just like tons more or more of the beer gardens or the alcohol booths and stuff like that then make it very accessible to um and like you said you're you could get in the even free samples like the jewels the 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 bud lights all that and, and a meal there will run you almost 10 to 20 bucks like it's like wow yeah and <laughs> there's i don't know but i think like there's like it's very strange that like that i think pride is a lot a lot of different things to a lot of different people like for some it's a party for some it's like a symbol of like corporate like greed it's uh like others is kind of a reminder of folks demanding they be seen as with like dignity and respect fighting back against police violence um, fighting behind state violence. It is very, and for a lot of people also, like for a lot of like queer LGBTQ youth, uh, for a lot of trans and queer youth, it is essentially a, 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 like a lot of like their first experience being in a space that is like kind of queer and, and mm-hmm. trans. Like I think that is like a very like, um, that opens possibilities and opens doors, but at the same time, there is this kind of, this 
political bureaucratic tension that happens each year around pride that once the pandemic settles down, what do you think pride will look like? Like what, like that's a, that's a big ask, but what, like, what do you think it will look like in like 2022? If we, if, somehow we'll get our shit together and be able to be in the space with more than like uh, 50 people without causing a public health crisis. I, I think we'll never go back to what we think is norm. And if we do, then we have learned nothing from this pandemic. Um, I think we will still, uh, especially, uh, I, I think we still be seeing masks because we're going to make it a, 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 an accessory. It's going to be, um, I think folks, it'll still be in back of people's minds. I think folks will always be cautious. Um, but to be honest, I think folks are going to want to and I think it's going to look pretty much the same. And that's just kind of, that's a good thing. But then also that's, uh, I just don't think um, that's a great thing either. Yeah, I feel like, I, I think I, I hear you grappling with like the happiness and sadness of it because like, I think that's like, that's something like I've, been trying to grapple with honestly because I, I think part of like our job at RPYA is was to take folks to pride and like mm-hmm. and they're like I, I think it's important to know that people like that like pride is not like a monolith thing like the, oftentimes it's like very much I think to be a pride you do need to go through some sort of like LCS or like um corporation a weird bureaucratic capitalist kind of framework but a lot of prides are done grassroots like i know like the redlands pride that happened like in mm-hmm. teen was grassroots i know the east coachella pride is grassroots um like there it, it there is a possibility that folks can kind of recontextualize it and kind of use it as space of like it goes back to kind of like uh the spirit of like the like the first pride march which basically was kind of like a protest it was a protest uh and like uprising against pol- police violence and like kind of like really call attention to kind of like the need for like new better more systems and better communities for queer and trans folks um but- and that was very led by poc folks yeah it was like especially led- transgender folks which it seems like in today's prides are like i feel like they were the ones that created this space, but yet in today's world, the those are the same folks trying to fight for the space within Pride's now. That 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 there there is definitely that. I think there's like um, like there. I I think I don't we don't have enough time to kind of try to unpack what like. <laughs> Like I said, that's a whole different other beats and that's a whole different show. Yeah, like I feel I feel like there's I think at some point I really want to talk about like have like a like some sort of like communication and to begin to kind of grasp at things that like happened like in June. Um particularly around kind of like like how with queer and trans organizations that were kind of like white led tried to co-op like Black Lives Matter and like the uprisings um, and like what resulted afterwards and like the how yeah. and that, that, that whole mess there. Uh, yeah, I really think it's very important to have pride to LGBTQ centers and this and that. But I think foremost what we, sh- and I know this is something that I've been, you know, working with others here in our region um, is really bringing and making sure the voices of LGBTQ folks, especially POC folks, um, is is seen in our ethnic studies. Mm-hmm. I really feel like, you know, we need to be teaching our history to to folks, and especially our regional history. We have a lot of folks who've done a lot of stuff. I mean, people don't even know. I know we're going back to the club thing, but. Um, it, but this is a piece of our history, like the Grand Central. 
you know, it was one of the biggest clubs here in, and it was here in the region. And, you know, there was somewhat uh, like LGBTQ center um, back in the days um, that folks just started, like it was just at a place and, you know, and what folks uh, like, you know, had to do within in our region to provide resources and services to a community. It might've not been like very visible, but there was a lot of stuff being done um, to create space. Um, but this is something that we need to like really, really um, make sure when we talk about ethnic studies being implemented in the schools, like that they don't erase and they don't forget the LGBTQ um, movements and, and and the fights that we've had because that will easily be forgotten. And, 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 and the thing is, you could go to a Pride and ask every person there, who's Harvey Milk? Who's, who's this person? Or, you know, um, like Harvey Milk is more commercialized than anyone else, but they still won't know who he is. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, there's def- there's like a, there's an interesting kind of like um tune like I I, don't know, I think um there is a very easy thing that like if you went to public ed from K through 12 in the states um or much of the Western world, you can name ten, like 10 great white men, but you can't kind of articulate um, like the importance of black trans women. Or- Marsha P. Johnson. So we, yeah, like they will really like be like, who? Yeah, yeah. Or like kind of like, like, a, like, under, like there's not like a, there, there's still like a massive barrier between kind of like history and contextualizing people in terms of LGBTQ folks like throughout history and the everyday public um and I think there's a lot of like even even like queer and trans folks I think like there's like Mm -hmm. that for many reasons like that like there's still like a lot of uh, like language like connection that needs to be kind of devolved in terms of like like the history and like how people kind of relate to like just how to help people relate to history in a way that like I don't know like identifies and like really like highlights and accentuates like um, gender diversity queer folks lesbians gay men uh, trans folks uh, and like really kind of understanding like the complexity of things and it's or just even understanding the history of pride itself and where they originated from. Yeah. Because of so and so, you are here able to have this space to party, to feel, you know, well, most folks feel liberated, feel this, feel that. But that came, you know, off the sweat, bloods, and tears, and lives of so many folks, you know, especially folks who are um, POC and trans. So it's, yeah even something like that like yeah that we get to enjoy it and some folks don't even know the history of it yeah i think that's i think that like that acknowledgement of like all the pain and sacrifice um Mm. that is gone through and kind of to celebrate and contextualize the lives of black trans women is like a a process that is miles and miles away from like ever really kind of like being actualized and it's 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 a it's kind of a big tragedy and kind of one of the big failings um as well as like kind of just making like pride accessible for folks um that like modern pride has like i don't know there's 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 a lot of folks in the disabled community that are just kind of like just constantly frustrated with like how pride creates itself yeah and i think you know uh just the exploitation of our people um even in the workplace like when we're talking about amazon you know um, you know and how like you know number one folks um majority of a lot of lgbtq folks that work there right 
and who are yeah like i think it definitely i think i'm uh, there is like a i think for the future and like just like i think there is already there, there i know and and there is like actual like lgbt curriculum for lgbtq history like for california for example that has yet to be implemented from like most districts because of fear of like teacher backlash or not teacher backlash but parent backlash. i mean look at sex education yeah the back- so yeah so we have to keep on grinding that fight yeah we're very inter- instrumental to um a lot of parts of what makes this world run and um our history and our people and um and i just hope folks realize that and you know that we we've come so far but yet we're we're not close to where we should be and um uh, it's very vital for us to take care of each other, um, you know, in, in whatever resources that we could provide for our communities, that we make sure we do that, whether it be in our communities, in the workplace, um, uh, or any um, environment that we're in. Um, yeah. yeah. Sometimes we have to take it into our our own hands as community right so and and all these uh, whether it be environment workplace immigration um um blm all these um movements and all these issues intersect and and we need to realize because when they come for one they come for all right Mm -hmm. and um we all have to work together and take care of each other so all right, thank you, Angie, for being here today. Uh, Angie, is there anything you want to plug today? Well, thank you for having me. And of course, as always, it's always great to um, be in the presence of, of you, Gustavo, and, um, and much love to everything y'all do at RPYA, um, you, Ralph, um, Benita. Um, uh, thank you for everything y'all do. Um, and other than... Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm doing a lot of work here with Sierra Club, which is an environment um, a, a nonprofit, um, just trying to make sure we breathe clean air. And, and especially in, in our region where we have the most dirtiest air. Um, and uh, we have a lot of our folks, like we mentioned, working in these warehouses, working in these, um, living by, you know, these heavy polluting um, environments, it's, uh, it's very key for us to um, uh, get involved, take care of Mother Earth, um, because the ones who suffer the most are, of course, um, um, folks who, who live in these regions and who live um, next to these heavy polluters who work in these warehouses, who work um, um, or this essential workers, um, you know, that affects our health, our mental health on top of everything else that we have to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. So. All right. Beautiful. And is there anything, any way folks can check out your work? Yes, um, folks could um, check me out at Sierra Club with the My Generation campaign, um, or um, my email is Angie, dot balderas at sierraclub.org um or you, if you want to um share my information um please do so but um yeah if folks want to get involved or need any kind of resources or anything um like i said i'm here um to help the community anyway use me utilize me um that's what i'm here for so Thank you, Angie. Uh, I think uh, I think the last thing I'm going to plug is if folks have time, check out uh, United in Anchor. Um, I, we talked a lot up today about kind of checking out and thinking about uh, queer and trans history. And United in Anger is a great documentary that focuses on the organization ACT UP um, mm. work uh, in the mid 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 80s to like early 90s really trying to advocate for 
the lives of folks living with HIV. And it, there's a lot of parallels between today, living in the pandemic, demanding um, like human rights and human dignity. Uh, there's a lot. I, I think uh, when you were, Angie, you were saying like, we, we if we don't change, we've learned nothing from history. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, we haven't really learned a lot from history. Uh, we There's some changes, but like there's a lot of things that are repeating, so. Uh, yeah, so check it out. Uh, it's on YouTube. I'll link uh, along with Angie's information in the description in today's episode. Uh, but th- thanks again, Angie. Thank you. And take care. And um, let's let's do better in 2021. Let's do better in 2021. Yeah. Bye, everyone. All right, that was our conversation with Angie Badevas uh, from the Sierra Club, national organizer and LGBTQIA social justice advocate. If folks want to get in contact with Angie, uh, you can reach her at uh, Angie uh, Badevas at sierraclub.org, as well as you can uh, get in contact and get involved with like the My Generation uh, trainings program on February uh, 20th. They'll be holding wellness trainings. Uh, so if folks are interested, uh, we'll have some links in the description. And yeah, thank you everyone for joining us. Uh, we will be back in a few weeks with another episode of All Chat No Smoke.